1: Hey, folks, Ben Shapiro here. Don't miss our latest episode of Daily Wire Backstage. Join me, Jeremy Boring, Andrew Clavin, Matt Walsh, and Michael Moles, as we discuss the worst State of the Union address in American history. Take a listen. Intro. Welcome to Daily Wire
2: Backstage, (laughs) Biden's congressional address. I'm Jeremy Boring, known around these parts. Well, known around these parts by lots of things. Uh, We're glad that you've tuned in. Will Biden be able to make it to the end of this speech without taking a nap? If he manages to make it all the way through without a single, come on, man, are we... Positive that it isn't pure fakery like the moon landing? How many times could Kamala have visited the border between the start and finish of this crap show? The answer is $10 trillion because that's how much spending Biden has proposed in his first three months. It's truly insane. Daily Wire Backstage is sponsored by ExpressVPN. You have the right to privacy. Defend your rights at expressvpn.com backstage. Joining me to, well, discuss this crap show, and probably a little bit more, Ben Shapiro, Andrew Clavin, Matt Walsh, Mickey Knowles. As always, we will be taking direct questions from our audience throughout the night. To get access to the chat box where you can submit your questions, go become a Daily Wire member. Visit dailywire.com subscribe to sign up. Really, this show exists because of the Daily Wire subscribers. Uh, we're so grateful to them. We we wouldn't be able to produce this show without them. We hope you'll consider becoming one. DailyWire.com slash subscribe. Fellas, it's our favorite night of the year. <laughs>
1: well, I mean, we were just here last week. So what the hell? <laughs> like that's my first question. What the hell? Also, ben has Ben has like a quota, <laughs> and he will not go above the quota. Oh backstage. my goodness, that is certainly true. And we are well above the quota. And also, I hate this. I mean, this is like all the things I hate: backstage, state of us, <laughs> the state of the union, Knowles. Like it's, it's just the state of the union is the most monarchic garbage thing that we do in American politics. Yep. I hate it. It doesn't matter who Stop the president trying is. You get me to like it, Ben. It's is... such garbage. <laughs> monarchy. Apist. But then <laughs> the, the, the ridiculousness of the of the State of the Union address in which we all pretend that the president of the United States is an elected king. And then he comes in and everybody cheers and they feed him like he's an important person as opposed to a geriatric daughter that they're wheeling in on a gurney so that he can babble nonsensically for an hour and they can cheer for proposals that won't be passed. Is uh, it's really maddening. I hate it in general. Tonight, we're going to get Joe Biden proposing another two trillion dollars in spending. He's also going to because it's a day ending in Y. Yeah. That's uh, right. And also he is going to be apparently saying that January 6th was worse than any event in American political life since the Civil War, which skips, you know, like the murder of tens of thousands of people by the KKK over several decades and, you know, the assassinations of at least four presidents and the shooting of another one. And, you know, Pearl Harbor, 9-11, spate of bombings in the 60s, Vietnam War. Yeah. I mean, I feel like there are a few, like he was alive for all of these, so he really should know about them. And it's kind of (laughs) astonishing that he's saying that, but That's not a shock. I mean, so I put together my preview of his speech. Here we go. Here we go. I've been working on this all day. (laughs) So it goes like this My fellow Americans, (laughs) Shazu Jim and Stephen, and come on. Woo! Everybody gets up to scream. Except the Republicans. (laughs) I promise that by the end of my term in office, every Black American will have. A blueberry <laughs> and two belly buttons. <laughs> Woo! <Like laughs> President Harris, who you are. He no, he's going to keep going. Uh, <laughs> I heard to a to preview my, of this. To yeah, my yeah. left and also to my right. <laughs> and all around. She's very woman and also black. <laughs> Woo! And they, like, this, is, this is what it'll be for an hour. So I just saved you an hour. I, yeah, I know, thing. it's yeah, over. It's, it's over, guys. Um, that plus $2 trillion. <laughs> done. So why do we keep doing this?
0: Well, look, this yeah, is this really. is a great American political tradition when we all gather in late April when the president <laughs> shows up with like four congressmen or something and goes on Zoom to the rest of them. No, the, it's funny because the monarchical aspect of it, frankly, I think is the best part. You know, uh, it's the, the oh God. No. However...
2: Michael Hamburg over here.
0: We, <laughs> but we don't even get that. We don't... The, the one... Uh, aspect of this whole State of the Union thing that everyone tunes in for is the pomp and circumstance and ladies and gentlemen, the president, right? Even if you don't like it, you still, that's what you're watching. But we're not getting that. We're getting a doddering old man who does not know which end is up reading some lines that have been written for him to
1: a half empty chamber. Well, I I will say there's one thing I'm excited about and that is that whenever Joe Biden speaks for more than 37 seconds, it's like watching Nick Walenda walk over a volcano, (laughs) right? Like you just, like there's always that possibility. Nick Walenda is real good at walking over volcanoes. But let's be real about this. You're really watching on the off chance that you Mm -hmm. will have been watching live when he fails to make it over the volcano. Right. And when Joe Biden speaks, I mean, he'll be slurring his words and he'll be messing things up. And he'll be talking about why he has to give every child a pony delivered by catapult or some such nonsense. And and then he'll just slip into a a reverie. And we're all sort of hoping he goes there. Right. I mean, let's be real about this. We want like a full dream sequence. Yeah. A full WandaVision (laughs) Yeah, thing to happen where he's like back in the 1950s doing sitcoms with Dick Van Dyke. Like, that's what I'm rooting for.
3: Yeah, but it's scripted. That's the problem. You get that moment from Joe Biden when it's not scripted. I have actually I don't know that I've ever watched a State of the Union address or a joint speech to Congress because they're so uninteresting to me. I've pretended that I've watched them. I've even live-tweeted them (laughs) without watching them. So this will be my first experience of this, and I'm I'm kind of excited about that. Mm. The
4: most fun thing about Joe Biden is watching the press report on him. Because they have gone to a level of dishonesty that actually is comedy. Well, normally it's
1: X-rated to see that many people orgasm at once.
4: Especially faking it. That's (laughs) that's exactly it. That's exactly (laughs) it. It's (laughs) the O-face. It's not really the orgasm.
3: I am interested to see... uh, I, I, I'm a little interested to see the Republican response from Tim Scott. Mm-hmm. What? What?
2: Well, you're I, new to this, by your own admission. <laughs> the worst part of the night is always I, the response. I, well, I, I like, it doesn't
3: matter who gives it. That's true. I'm I'm expecting that, but I am also curious if they go all in on police reform, which is the exact the, wrong biggest, thing for the Republican. Oh my God, they will. You know they will. Right. I know they will already. No, they will because yeah. there's
1: nothing that Republicans. Do except things wrong.
3: Yeah, I, <laughs> right? I heard the Tim Scott. He gave a little, a, you know, quick preview on Twitter, and he said, "We're going to talk about how, um, you know, we're a diverse nation, and in that, that's uh. why we're so unified." And I'm like, "No, that's we're not unified at all, man. That's <laughs> yeah. Exactly the opposite." I, of the I truth. like.
4: They must there must be something about Tim Scott because the Washington Post, a white guy in the Washington Post, wrote a. F- A fact check of Tim Scott saying he wasn't black enough, basically, that he had. I guess he had some white people in his.
1: No, no, it wasn't that it was that he he, what they suggested is that he had said that his grandfather, he basically went from sharecropper to Congress in one generation. And they were like, yeah, but your, your father wasn't a, a sharecropper. If you go back to your grandfather and your great-grandfather, he had accumulated 500 acres in South Carolina. It's like, okay, so now you're just saying that he's the American dream in <laughs> right. spite of vicious Jim Crow racism. Right. So, well, solid hit there, Washington. I,
4: I, just, I, I think that the Washington Post, which now has ba- basically has announced it's going to stop fact-checking. Joe Biden. <laughs> yeah, he's just that honest. It's when do they like, ever start, though? Is the question. <laughs> yeah, <that's right. laughs> well, they occasionally say this. You know, I mean, Joe, Biden the, the funny thing is the difference between the way Joe Biden lies and Donald Trump lied is, is substantial. I mean, yeah. Donald Trump was an exaggerator and he used to say, I exaggerate the truth. And that was actually pretty true for the most part. I, you know, obvious exceptions. But still, Biden just lied. Well, yeah, I, I'll say it this way. I think that, that Trump lied casually.
1: Like if you're just in a conversation with him, he'd be the guy who'd be like, Shaving five points out, five strokes off his handicap. Exactly. That's what Trump is. Yeah. But Joe Biden is the kind of guy who lies purposefully. Like, he, he's right. like, What do I need to say yeah. to achieve this effect? Yeah. And I'll just lie to do it. Right? So I'll just say for months on end that Georgia's voting law is Jim Crow. Or I will just say over and over and over that you still need to mask up for no reason. Yeah. Right? Like, no reason that's at all. Right. And that that is a significantly worse form of lie because the thing about Trump and kind of the way that he would fib is that nobody took that. Stuff seriously. Like, they they kept fact-tracking him. And I just kept thinking to myself,
4: okay, and? Well, you know, before— No, they, they counted the lies and said, oh, he lied so many more times. But there's a difference between saying I had a lot of people at my inauguration and saying this is just Yeah, the bro. magnitude of the lie kind of yeah. matters. Like, yeah. if you like your doctor, <laughs>
1: you can keep your doctor. It's a much bigger lie than... That's right. There were, two, there were so many people at in my inauguration. Like, one is an, a mild irritant that goes to character. Right. And the other one is like, you just lied about a massive piece of policy that also, hundreds of millions of Americans. Also, the lies
2: of the left are the reason that no one trusts government. You know, we, we've been talking a lot about why people won't get the vaccine. I happen to think that the vaccine uh, is one of the great, maybe the great scientific achievements of the 21st century. My
0: cell service has never been better. Yeah,
2: yeah. I, <laughs> the show. I, I think that it's you know up there with uh, the Apollo program. It's up there with the Manhattan yeah, no, Project. It's, it's amazing. It's hard for me to get the vaccine right now because I just don't want to be told what to do. I want to be free. But the reason so many millions of people on the right won't get the vaccine... Is because the government keeps lying about it, yeah. and the media keeps reinforcing those lies. Well, when let, you let say let me
1: just debunk real fast, the Bill Gates put microchips in the in the vaccine. If he had, they'd be glitching all over. <laughs> oh,
4: yeah, that's right. There's no. They <laughs> wouldn't know. They wouldn't know where the hell we <laughs> were, the were. Spinning
1: color wheel
0: of dew, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the new the, variants are just is, viruses from like the you know mid eastern <laughs> right. Europe somewhere.
2: Yeah. But this Not is yet. the problem with the lies of the left. The lies of the left make you actually distrust. Yeah, The institutions that are the only institutions that can create any unifying message of truth around things that do matter. Pandemics actually matter. They actually have consequences. We should be able to believe what the media and the government tell us about them. We can't. And we can't because people like Joe Biden uh, have spent their entire career lying about such major issues whenever they think They can squeeze just a little bit of advantage out of this. By
0: the way, the the left wing media used to admit this about Biden before he was their guy. Right. There there was, you know, the the most really disconcerting of his lies is, you know, the central tragic fact of his life is his wife was killed in this car accident. And the the guy who was in the other car felt terrible about this and lived for many years and it was very sorry, but he was totally found to have been innocent. He wasn't drinking, nothing like that. Joe Biden never said he was. After the man died, Joe Biden on the campaign trail started to say he was a drunk who was drunk driving. It was a really vicious, vicious smear, so much so that I, was, I forget if it was the Atlantic or Vanity Fair called him out for this. It's, it's such a, a deep, intentional lie, and it, it gets to the, the intrinsic dishonesty of his whole political yeah. career. The guy's been
1: doing it since the 70s. Well, uh, it's also amazing that how many of these people are, like, that right now, they're in the chamber. Every single person there is vaccinated. Every single person right. there is vaccinated. They're in a chamber. They're socially distanced and vaccinated, far away from each other, and they're all still wearing masks. Yeah. Because well, the, the same people who are telling you lot. the vaccines are so, so important, which, by the way, they are, are telling you that you can never strip the mask off your face, even if you're vaccinated, which makes zero scientific sense. There's no data to back it. But it's just an article of faith now because Trump didn't like masks. And so now we're just going to wear masks until we die. They don't, bother, really,
3: they don't bother giving any data. They don't even. No, they no, they, 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 don't, they, they, they say they're to, insulted. To, yeah. They're
1: insulted. If you like give us data, they're like, nope. The, 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 only,
2: the only data they want is yours. Uh, And that's why you need to get ExpressVPN. (laughs) A few decades ago, private citizens used to be, well, private. Uh, You want to know what changed? It's called the Internet. Having a private life exposed for others to see used to be something that only people like Mickey Knowles uh, had to worry about. (laughs) Now it's an era where every single person online is essentially a public figure. Uh, That's why I use ExpressVPN to keep my data safe when I go online. Every time I turn on ExpressVPN, I'm given a random IP address. Uh, that's shared by everyone else on ExpressVPN. That makes it more difficult for third parties to identify me and harvest my data. My data. The best part is how easy ExpressVPN is to use. No matter what device you're on, your phone, your laptop, your smart TV, all you have to do is tap one button and you get protection. I really can't overemphasize how important it is in this day and age when your data gives people so much power over you. It lets them. Uh, it lets them take your identity. It lets them steal your money. It lets them uh, get you into all kinds of trouble. You don't need to subject yourself to these kinds of problems. So if you believe that your data is important, as I do, if you think it's important to your business, if you think it's important to your family, secure yourself with the number one rated VPN on the market. Visit expressvpn.com backstage and get three extra months for free. Three months for free. What? Yep, just go to <laughs> expressvpn.com backstage. Expressvpn.com backstage. You really need to protect yourself. Go do it right now. So I want to talk about the fact that we're looking at an almost empty chamber. This is supposed to be—it's inspiring. Uh, uh, this is supposed to be a joint session of Congress. They're not even filling 50% of the seats. It doesn't look like. How did they determine
1: who was going to be there? So they gave a set number of seats to the Democrats and a set number to the Republicans.
2: If For you were—if you were one of the Republicans and they said <laughs> only a few Thank of you can go and you have to wear a diaper on your
1: face, yeah. even though you've been vaccinated, why wouldn't you just <laughs> say no? So a bunch of them did. Steve Scalise said no. Did he really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was like, I'm not interested. And honestly, why would you be? First of all, if I had any excuse not to go to the State of the Union, I would be there. I tried to get out of this.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Antonin Scalia famously would not attend. He thought, for the same reason, he thought it was ridiculous, anti-American nonsense.
1: Right. Biden should just send a letter to Congress saying, I'm going to do whatever I want. And actually, I'm just going to do whatever my chief of staff wants, Ron Klain, President Klain. And he's the one who's actually just going to write the agenda. But the the thing that's amazing about what we're watching is the, the media's attempt to build Joe Biden up into an important figure in his own right, is pretty impressive because everybody really kind of secretly understands that Joe Biden is a truly unimpressive figure in American public life. He really is. He's been a non-entity or a bloviating idiot for most of his career. And now he's president of the United States and they are solely reliant on this man because if God forbid, and he's the president of the United States, you don't want to see anything bad happen to him. If God forbid something happens to Joe Biden, the Democratic agenda is DOA. It is dead because Kamala Harris saying the exact same stuff as Joe Biden yeah. is completely unpalatable to the American people. Yeah. Because well, Joe Biden does not he does not give off a sense of threat. But he is an elderly daughter who does not know what the hell he's talking about. And so he's not threatening because House plants are not threatening. That's how he, he got was, away with
3: the speech. The speech he gave yesterday was was disgusting yeah. and repugnant. I mean, he's he's giving us permission to have a picnic if you're with vaccinated people and if you're not, you have to mask at the picnic. I mean, since since when is this the relationship we have with the government that we have to tune in to the president to find out if we can have a picnic
1: out uh, at, at the park? And to me, that wasn't even as radical as what he was saying last week about the about the Floyd trial or, he, or the show trial, where he was or, literally coming out and just calling the country racist based on an incident where no one has yet presented any evidence of racism. Or before
3: that or, or right after that, I, you talk about lies of Joe Biden and the Biden administration. I think, hands down, the worst lie we've heard from this administration, and perhaps any administration in recent memory, is what they said about the Micaiah Bryant situation, where they, where she, clearly, 16-year-old girl, but she was in the process of trying to stab someone to death. That is very clear, indisputable. It's like a textbook, uh, good shoot by a police officer, valid, legitimate, and they come out and tie it to systemic. Racism. Yeah. Yeah. And they they throw. This is a hero police officer put in that situation. By the way, and not only not only a thing.
2: good shoot in the in the sense of it was clean and legal and appropriate. But a great shot. Yeah. Right. You know, people like to say, oh, "Why didn't he shoot the gun? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Shoot the knife out of her hand?" <laughs> yeah. Well, because he's not the Lone Ranger. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> why didn't the cop shoot her in the leg? I well because I mean, if you actually watch that video, the fact it split
1: that, second to hit her and not hit the girl
2: and she's not hit to stab. the girl that she's trying to stab. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not many. Trained police officers could have effectuated that shot uh, as successfully as he did. It's, he's not only, he is a true American hero for what he yeah, did. And it's he's, also, and he's also
3: willing, sorry, he's, he's also, that police officer knows that his life might be over when he does this. But he did it anyway, yeah, to save this other this other girl's life. Yeah.
4: It's incredibly telling when they say things like that because it means they've never been in a physical altercation. Right. They have mm-hmm. no idea the kind of adrenaline that pumps through your your body. They have no idea what it takes to hit somebody's center. But, is it, but, him, hit the but center
1: here's the thing: you're assuming honesty, and I, I don't even think that they honestly think what they're saying. Yeah, I, I, I like I, I rarely attribute bad motive to people, but that tape is so unbelievably clear. That it's just, there's no possible way that you could be motivated by anything other than a belief that every data point involving a black suspect and a white cop is bad. Mm -hmm. That is the only, that is the only way that you can get to that conclusion after having watched that tape. You can't come to the honest conclusion after watching that tape that you should have Shot or trigger finger, like it's blazing saddles or something. Like you, you can't.
4: You can't you <laughs> but you can't no, they, the very fa- but the very fact that they would ask that kind of question and c- expect to get away with it means that they have lived lives that are completely out of touch with the moment that they're reporting on. It doesn't even right. occur to them to go and say to somebody, you know, you were a police officer who was in a shooting, you were a soldier who was in a battle. You know, what's that like? What is that? What happens when? Well, you But there
2: do is it? this thing about narrative that narrative compounds narrative. N- narrative builds upon narrative. Uh, I I tweeted. Out this morning that COVID uh, is to disease what nuclear weapons are to energy and explosives. And what I mean is that uh, all the people who say, believe the science, don't actually know anything about no. the science. Yeah. They don't believe the science. We, instead, we've attributed to nuclear and we've attributed to COVID these sort of magical, mythical, destructive properties where they're actually not constrained by science. They have almost unlimited power to do unbelievable damage. And the problem is over time, because of the power of narrative, Experts, authoritative people actually believe, not reality, but they believe, you know, so when when it comes to nuclear weapons, you know, everybody believes that, like we have enough, people will say all the time, you will hear people in the military say, we have enough nuclear weapons to wipe out all life on earth a hundred times. And that's absolutely absurd. (laughs) Like, we have a thousand strategic nuclear weapons in our arsenal or something like that. For context- We detonated 1,000 nuclear weapons during the 50s and 60s, 65 miles north of Las Vegas. A major American city, 65 miles north, we detonated 1,000 nuclear weapons. Like, nuclear weapons are bad. Nuclear weapons are very destructive compared to to, to conventional ordinances. But they're still just things. It's just but, a bump.
1: COVID is a virus. So to but, apply, yeah. but this, yeah. right. But
4: this is the COVID entire... is a virus. That's all it is. This is the entire thesis of the left, and has been for about 50 years, that narrative shapes reality. But the part they leave out is that it can shape it dishonestly or honestly. Right. So a narrative can be true or false. You know, this is this. Is Yuval Harari wrote this book about what, what is different about humans than every other animal, is that we tell fictions. And among these fictions, he includes rights, money, uh, religion... <laughs> And you think like, well, wait, wait, wait a minute. You know, I've I've been making up fiction all my life. You can make a fiction that's true, or you can make a fiction that isn't true. Anybody who walks out of a movie theater can say, "Eh, that wouldn't happen. That was unbelievable, right? The the, the thing about money is money is a language. It it is a language, but it's a language for expressing value. It's something we cannot tell how our minds calculate value, but they do it almost exactly. They do it to the penny, and money expresses that. It's a fiction that's true when when it's not controlled by the government. When it's free exchange, you know, the the problem is not the narrative. It is the absolute disbelief that there is such a thing as a truth that goes beyond the physical facts of life. Now they don't even. Well, one of the the things
1: that I've been noticing is that there have been a couple of polls in recent memory, like in the last month or so, talking about percentages of Americans who believe certain things about things that are factual. Yeah. Like how many black Americans get shot every year by the cops, right? Yeah, right? Yeah. And, and that poll will show you that liberals are just way the hell off. Like they're off by a they factor. They think 1,000. Right, they're, 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 they're off by a factor, of, and that's unarmed black men, right? They'll, right. they'll say like a 1,000 unarmed black men are shot. That's like 20, yeah, right? Exactly. They're, they're, off by, they're off by a factor of 50, right? right? And then if you ask liberals, how likely are you to die of COVID? They'll be off by a factor of 10 or a factor of 20. And then conservatives, these supposedly ascientific, scientific, data-free fundamentalist crazies. If you ask them, like, how likely are you to die of COVID, they're way closer to the actual reality than, they, than than the liberals are. And the same thing about racial violence in America. They're way closer to the actual yeah. reality. Even even they, by the way, even overestimate the number of black men who yeah. get shot in America. But this is why this is
2: why I'm saying narrative builds on narrative because these reporters not only have they never been in. Physical danger. Not only have they never fired a firearm, everything that they believe about them, and they they've researched, they believe they're experts. But everything that they know is just what someone else before them was saying when they were shaping the narrative. Right. So it it compounds over time that people get more and more and more certain about things that they know less and less about. It's not that they don't. I mean, it really is Ronald Reagan. It's not that they don't know much. It's everything. (laughs) And there's there's a
0: very famous line about the left, which is unfortunately you can sometimes apply it to the right, but. But it's so true with the left, which is they'll say, "Who cares if it works in practice? Does it work in <laughs> yeah, theory?" The yeah, obsession yeah. with theory, because that that is. And, a and
4: your reference to the Lone Ranger, by the way, is exactly dead on. Because the Lone Ranger actually used to say, "I only shoot to wound," and tells you where they're getting their information. That's right. Right. They do they, get their. Information. Get there, there's something else
1: happening in the scientific community also, and it, and it really it's true on everything from transgenderism and treatment for it to or, or treatments for gender dysphoria uh, to COVID. And that is what has become my new favorite word, because I just think it, it applies so often these days, ultra-crepidarianism, people just speaking outside of their purview of expertise. So scientists are not being asked anymore. Sum up the data for me, right? sum up the data for me. That's the question you ask a scientist. Instead, they're, be ask, uh, they're being asked questions like, what do you think Americans ought to do about masking or not masking? Yeah. That is a policy and or moral question. Yeah. Your job is to, like, I don't go to my doctor and then say to him, you know, what do you think that I should do with the rest of my life? Like, what decisions should I make in my life? He can tell me what the data suggests about what particular things will happen if I do X, Y, or Z. But that's not what the scientists are doing about COVID. They're not doing any of that.
2: So what you need to do is go over to Policy Genius (laughs) and get some affordable life insurance. And the reason that you need to do that is because it's a terrible thing to go through a a family tragedy. Uh, If you think about leaving your loved ones behind, you think about the kind of pain that you're putting them through, what you may not have considered... Is the actual circumstances that you'll be subjecting them to uh, where they don't have you there to provide for them. You need to protect them by getting life insurance. It's an important thing to do. It's the right thing to do. If you're a parent, it's an essential thing to do. Policy Genius can help you compare top insurers in one place and save 50% or more on your life insurance. Once you find your best option, the Policy Genius team will set up your new policy for you and answer any questions you have along the way. Since their licensed agents work for you, not the insurance companies, there's zero hassle. If you hit any speed bumps during the application process, Policy Genius will take care of everything. That kind of service has earned Policy Genius a five-star rating across thousands of reviews on Trustpilot and Google. I've told you before that I use Policy Genius. I used it to get a life insurance policy for myself. I used it to get a life insurance policy for my wife very important because I don't want to leave my family in a bind, but I'll let you in on a little secret. I also used it to get a life insurance policy on Ben Shapiro, and that's because my ability to provide for my family is deeply and intrinsically connected to Ben's ability to keep talking incredibly fast. Policy Genius can promise that you won't leave their website feeling like a fool. You could save 50% or more by comparing life insurance quotes and feel good knowing that if something happens. Your loved ones will be taken care of, by which I mean if something happens to Ben. Go to (laughs) policygenius.com and get started. Policygenius, when it comes to insurance, it's nice to get it right. I really can't emphasize enough it is a moral requirement, especially for someone with a family, to have life insurance. Guys, we're only a few minutes away from what promises to be a riveting speech, which (laughs) from the video I'm seeing will be seen by at least 18 people in the House chamber.
1: It's remarkable not to fall asleep. Oh, Normally, you got a chamber of like hundreds of people. And so, right. if you start to doze off, I think cameras will just shoot elsewhere. Yeah. But, like, if you start to lose it in the middle of this thing, Camera's on. You you. pull the
0: RBG classically fell asleep. You know, there is something to remember as we go into this absolute snooze fest here, which is totally to your point, Ben, that now the the scientific experts pontificate about everything that they don't know anything about because it's the only sort of expertise we acknowledge in this country. We don't acknowledge philosophical, moral or religious expertise Mm -hmm. in self-government citizens are supposed to be the experts yeah. on that sort of thing. But that's all gone now. And I bet, I bet he's not going to acknowledge it tonight either. I want to know what, what any Republicans that chose
3: to be a part of this charade with the masks on. I mean, they should be held accountable by, by, for that by the voters, because this is. I actually I, this, agree this, with This you. is yeah. a grotesque. Yeah, I'm actually it's depressing and and infuriating the more I watch this. And the fact that I got to sit now for an hour and watch it
1: <laughs> is making me uh, is, is causing me anxiety. But this is this is this spectacle. It's look at the guy I've there in, in the room masks. I, I, I Listen, I've been in a room since I was vaccinated. I've been in a room with like 350 other people, everybody unmasked. And if the media had been there, they would have been like, oh, my God, we're all going to die. of COVID." no one got covid. You know why? Because everybody's either had covid or they're vaccinated. Everybody in that room is vaccinated. Why did any
3: Republican, there every Republican there should have to explain why. They because
2: Republicans are cowards. Yeah. yeah, they're there because they are cowards and they're there because they're too afraid to stand up to the other side, which is not cowardly, but is decidedly right. convinced that they know what's good for you. They know they don't need the mask, but they're afraid that if they don't wear it, you might not wear it and they want to control you. They want to determine what is good for you. They want to decide when you have a picnic with your family. And they, they'll say that they have good intentions. No, we just know that people will make bad decisions and we're responsible for public health and we need to protect the preponderance of people. You do that by arming people with good information and letting them make their own risk assessments. Instead, they're going to lie to you, pose for you, virtue signal for you, In order that they might What
0: you don't get, Jeremy, is that the people are a bunch of deplorable, irredeemable idiots. And Maxine Waters is really, really smart. And that's why
3: they told us that's the irony is that's why they told us originally not to mask because they were treating us like idiots and children. And they thought we'd go and hoard all the masks. And, uh, (laughs) you
4: you know, I actually asked my doctor, who is a far left guy, but a brilliant guy. I said, now I've been vaccinated. Do I have to wear a mask? He said, "No, but you should," as a political statement. He said that to me, and I oh, said, my, "I said that's my. not my politics." Yeah. You know, there are fewer people no, the, the, in, in a, that entire, chamber than watch the Oscars.
1: There's an, like, <laughs> there an, there an entire article by this woman. an entire there's an entire article by this woman on Medium about why she is still going to jog with a mask even after all of this is over, and it's, she said it's because it's a sign that I care about my fellow man. <laughs> really, this is what she said. She says it's, it's because. I've been running around with the mask and I've, I've had the vaccine for six weeks. But, you know, there's so many other people out there who get uncomfortable when I don't wear the mask that I've decided to wear the mask. And this goes to so many areas oh, yeah. of our politics that if, yeah. if anything I do in my life to exercise my freedom makes you uncomfortable in any way, yeah, yeah. it is my job to curtail my freedom of speech. It is my job to curtail my freedom of the press or my freedom to bear arms or my freedom to walk around without a mask in order to make you Feel more comfortable, even though I pose zero threat to you. That's where things are right now. By the way, we, we should note that the greatest doctor in America was just ushered into the chamber. Joe, Dr. Joe Dr. Biden. Biden. Wow. absolutely, She's oh. a great
0: surgeon. She's a as Joy Behar pointed out, or Whoopi Goldberg, one of the two. She pointed that out. We should also acknowledge with the masks. I am not saying that the state can't take emergency police action sometime and say, hey, maybe you should wear the mask for a very short period of time. But to wear the mask all the time, to have the entirety of the American people wearing the secular kefia, looking like banditos walking around, is actually disordered. It's, it's actually it's, bad for our
3: politics. People's <laughs> brains have been broken. I think yeah. there's a real mental illness factor to it. Someone, one of my, someone, uh, one of my listeners left a comment under the YouTube uh, video today saying that her aunt wears a mask to sleep, and uh, and I wish I could think that that's. That she's joking or well, making up. Well, I went on my eyes. It <laughs> yeah, it's this is what people people are, and we're sending our kids to I, school. They wear masks for it, seven hours a
4: day. I find the saddest comment, the ones that I see on Twitter, people saying, "What's so bad about a mask?" And I think, like, really, not to look at a human face, not to see a pretty girl, not to you know, right. not smile. to know each other and smile at each other. I mean, what the hell? Uh,
1: have you have you guys all had the weird experience over the past few months as people take off their masks of? People you've met with the mask on, and they take off the mask like, "Whoa!" Yeah, <laughs> yeah <that's> not, that, <laughs> I was not aware that you lo- that you looked like that. What's happened to many people with me? I'm like they take off the mask like, "Oh my God, that's what he looked like under there." If, were, if you're an, it's an like ugly scene from Phantom of the Opera, no, no.
3: If you're an ugly person with with nice eyes, then you've been living <laughs>
5: your best,
1: I best life. I know. Best, I know. best life. Well, eventually they're gonna wheel Joe Biden in. <laughs>
4: <laughs> cheer. they may just lower them in they may, roof. Yeah. They open the roof and just yeah. drop him
1: you know, you
4: know I, I have to say Walsh is right that, that Republicans showed up for this in masks mm-hmm. is, they actually should be answerable for that, That's, that is- so
1: my understanding is that the reason that they are doing that is because Nancy Pelosi runs the chamber mm. Chuck Schumer runs the chamber and so there are actual like I believe criminal penalties they're trying to attach for not wearing masks on the floor mm. They should like get a, and they, they shouldn't go.
0: They should, yeah. yeah. But or, or if they get dragged out by the police and they're yelling for my civil rights to breathe and have my nose out, that would be beautiful politics. That would be such a
3: great moment, and these be. morons and cowards are too stupid to realize it. Yeah. So we've got a question from no Daily Wire. You guys wire.
4: have no idea, by the way. If, if you go to like leftist places like Brooklyn and you don't wear a mask, which I haven't, you know, I haven't yeah. worn a, I haven't worn a mask in public for a long time yeah. out, outdoors you are actually socially rejected. People yes, get yeah, very, yeah. very upset. They actually take it badly. They you might as well might be wearing jealous. a MAGA hat.
1: Yeah. 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 Well, that's so much of this is about that, right? It's because yeah. Trump made light of the masks originally, yeah. like while well, during the middle of the pandemic. And so the entire left decided that this was not just a he was not just wrong on that. Yeah. and It was not just a temporary expedience that we could all go back to work or something. Yeah. What it really was, was a symbol that you were a good person who cared about other people to wear the mask.
0: It's the new pink hat.
1: Right. Yeah. It's just the pink hat of
3: 2021. If only sure. Trump had been pro-mask, then no one would be wearing masks. Yeah, that's no, right. probably <laughs> would open up the country <laughs> really, a year ago.
2: He really let us down. Here's a question from a DailyWire.com subscriber. Uh, on one hand, it seems promising that states like Tennessee are lifting the mask mandate. I actually want to correct you. The state of Tennessee never had a mask mandate. Right. Uh, what happened is Governor Bill Lee made the bold step this week of saying that even the cities in the state that have had mask mandates must lift them before Memorial Day. But yes, uh, places are removing their mask mandates. But when I see other states cracking down even more like Michigan, I just really don't know how to feel on whether or not this will ever end. Do you think it will end? When? How? I just want to be perfectly clear. They're saying, do you believe the masks will ever end? Not what we're about to witness. This
1: <laughs> 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 ben, what do you think? Um, so I think that this is going to last approximately another five months until Joe Biden gets a bunch more of his legislation passed and then it stops. I think this is all about generating a feeling of crisis for Americans. Uh, I think that Joe Biden doesn't want this to go to the midterms, right? He he would like to be able to declare victory before the midterms over COVID. And so I think that it'll last about as long as it's convenient for it to last. He said going in that we're facing four crises and three of them are complete nonsense. It was like racial inequity, income inequality, climate change, and no one— cares about climate change. Let's just be clear about this. Like, that doesn't mean it's not happening, but, like, on the list of American concerns, it's, like, number 87. Yeah. Uh, And so the only one that people were actually worried about was COVID because, you know, half a million people died of it. And so he's just prolonging this at this point. And so it'll, it'll last until he can ram through some more legislation by saying COVID has completely exposed so many... Terrible things about American society that must be fixed. It's unmasked all of American society, and then after all, of, after we fixed all of American society, and I can ride off into the nursing home. Then I will. Then at that point, everybody will will be able to take off the masks and breathe free air again. I really think it's that simple. I,
3: I think it will last longer than that politically. I think you're right, but a lot of people, like we were just saying, their brains are broken. Oh, no, I agree they, with this. Yeah, a lot of a lot of people really. And they'll openly say it. I feel safer wearing it. And so I just wear it. And and I don't think that goes away magically in five months. I don't know in if it ever years, goes away. Yeah. yeah,
0: I think it's just it's a
3: We'll never change.
2: We'll never live to see a day where no one in America wears masks.
0: This yeah. is the issue. You know, we politics is downstream of culture. We all know that. That's the famous Breitbart Doctrine. It is also true that politics can influence culture. The, the great example of this is that East Germany is still atheist. West Germany is not atheist because it was dominated by commies for, for the Cold War. People, because of the policies of our exalted leader, Dr. Anthony Fauci, the high priest of progressivism, he has, I think, broken people's brains. And I think you're going to see a lot of people who just insist on wearing
1: this thing basically in perpetuity. Maybe it's not most of the country, but well, I be think a lot of people. What will happen is there's going to be a massive exacerbation of the big sort that's already happening. Right? People are just going to say, I don't want to live in a place that's like New York or like Michigan, where at any moment they can just shut everything down again.
4: And they, that's, they move here, they move to Florida. No, that's happening already. Coeur d'Alene is the place in, in uh, Idaho. this the place where, at least, where most people are moving.
3: At least in the Civil War, we'll know which side per- people are on based on who's got the mask on. So. <laughs> <laughs> that's
2: exactly right. So we just saw uh, Schumer enter the chamber uh, dutifully, dutifully masked. This will be how we know. When will Republicans stop going along with it? When right. will airlines stop going along with it? That's, as long as you have to wear a mask on an airline, it's awful. It's it's really it's, awful. It Makes it's, it almost impossible. It's genuinely Honestly,
1: I, was, awful. I, was, I, I was so tolerant. I was way more tolerant than anybody else in this room of the mask. Yeah. Right. I was like, I would, because my parents are in their sixties, they were. I was, I was more tolerant of it. And then I got vaccinated, and it started to feel physically restricting yes. to wear the mask because yeah. now I know it's pointless and
4: stupid, and there's no reason for it at all. Yeah. yeah. T- the terrible thing about the airplane too is it's it's absolutely awful. It's the one place where it makes the most sense because airplanes are the are terribly unhealthy atmosphere. Well, ex- except be, for the
1: fact that it's not true. Now, now they it's were never, they, no, it wasn't at the beginning. There was, airplanes were not a vector of transmission. You airplanes have air, HEPA filters.
4: Right. Yeah, yeah. I, HEPA I think, filters
2: I, and, they, and they
1: circulate.
3: You notice, I, I noticed a real shift because I've been flying through this whole thing. I think a lot of us have. Yeah. And uh, you notice the real shift at a certain point a few months in. People didn't, they weren't fidgeting with the mask anymore on the flight. They just wear it the whole time. They didn't have it under the nose. Mm-hmm. And I guess we were supposed to see that as a positive change, but I actually find it kind of creepy now. I'm on a plane for I six think. hours, and yeah. no one is even touching the
0: mask. I mean, I still am, but everyone else just sits there. Oh, by like the it. way, we have Joe
3: to out. Biden point. just
1: entered the chamber. So Sorry.
0: Biden entered the chamber. He's got his mask on, and he's doing the fist bumps with everybody. Because handshake, that'll spread COVID. Uh, having your, your knuckles are down, free of COVID. But double. your knuckles, they're coated in Purell or something, so yeah. that's fine.
2: Because science. Because it's <laughs> science. So now we have the president of the United States entering the chamber. We're going to go watch the president's speech. We'll be back with you as soon as it is over to give you our our absolute (laughs) expert analysis. It was boring. Yeah.
4: (laughs) Spoiler. Save save us some time. Yeah. Uh,
2: We'll be back as soon as the president's speech is concluded. The president of the United States concluding his first hundred days in office and his first State of the Union address with the greatest line in the history of State of the Union addresses. Thank you for your patience, <laughs> Jeremy.
0: Before
4: we get into it, should someone wake Ben up, <laughs> Benjamin? Benjamin, wait. I think he's, I think he's gone. Oh, he's gone. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God you have life insurance on him. Uh, it's, um, so, um,
1: what? Yeah, <laughs> uh, that was the worst. That was thing I've ever. Heard. That that was genuinely terrible. Let's begin that to was, get together, guys. Yeah, L- yeah. That was the line. We're just gonna yeah. let's begin do- to get together. Sixties song lyrics
2: now. So <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny that you bring up sixties song lyrics because it was a nineteen sixties boilerplate speech. Yes, yes it was it was.
4: It was. It was. The nineteen thirties boilerplate speech yeah. in a lot yeah. of ways. Yeah. It was a and thirteen thirties. And, 1330s you, know, <laughs> <laughs> and you know, it was that really that line where he said, We the people are the government because he doesn't mean that we the people form the government what he means is the government are the people no, he, he, was, he was explicit yeah.
2: he
1: said we and, and we are the people every, every, yeah. every so if we're not single, a just force
4: were you and every,
1: okay then <laughs> if you're me then shut the f- up
4: <laughs> <laughs> i mean every, everything he says you know when he talks about he had this line american tax dollars are going to buy american property and build american jobs that's actually not the way it works. As always right. with socialists, they never ask the question, where does the money come from? It comes from horrible, evil, dastardly capitalists like yourself yeah. who, <laughs> who they take that tax money from. Just simple logic. Simple logic tells you that you can pay create more jobs with a dollar than a, a company that than a government that takes your dollar away. Distributes among its bureaucracies and then creates a job. So you, you're going to create ten times more jobs. I have, I have a question. We're all,
1: we can focus on the content as much as we want. This guy's not making it four years, is he? It, it doesn't oh, feel I mean, like he, it. He, he no. looks absolutely I, ghastly. Well, he, he looks, looks awful. He sounds awful. That seemed
4: like four years. Does that count? <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, I,
1: I don't know how anyone thinks he's running for re-election. Yes. I don't know how you can. I don't watch think that.
2: Any, I don't know that anyone yeah. thinks he's running for re-election.
1: Just, so the question is, will he serve out a but, term? But, this is, but here's the thing. What the speech makes clear is two things. One, he's not going to make it for re-election. I mean, he's just not. And two, they desperately need this guy. Yes. They need him so badly. Yeah. Because if you actually just read the text of the speech, mm. what you will see is a litany of spending and regulation and taxation and, yeah. and big government and rethinking of the fundamental relationship between the American people and the government. That that sounds like it's coming directly from Bernie Sanders. I mean, it is yeah. extraordinarily radical stuff. But because the person who is saying it is a mush old man, then nobody fears because he is a mush old man. they are he's deeply, been around forever. Yeah, well, not just that, because he... he I, I, honest to God, wonder if the entire design of the speech, because he backloaded all the controversial stuff you right. noticed about how America's yeah. racist and about how the government is the people. Like he put all of that in the last 10 minutes of the speech. I, I honest to God, wonder whether his strategy here was... I will just bore you into unconsciousness so you don't actually know what I'm saying. And I can go to the left and I can tell them I said all the stuff that I said. And then I can use that as the predicate for all of the things I want to pass. But you, you went to sleep, right? Well wasn't that scary. You fell asleep yeah. because that, that's that's what it was. I mean, Joe Biden is capable. He could have done what what he's done before, which is do a 25-minute speech. Yeah. Right? Do it like he could do that. He could go in there and yeah. give a 25-minute speech. Instead, he goes for an hour and a half. It is soporific nonsense. And he can't even speak it clearly. I mean, he's stumbling over his own words. He's repeating himself. And he gets to the end, you kind of feel bad for the guy. You're like, this guy is not with it. But then you actually read what he's saying, and, you're, and he's talking about spending not $10 trillion. He's talking about spending, I'm sure, at least twice that when you add up everything yeah. that he's talking about over the course of years. And you're supposed to just be like, well, you know, he's a nice old gentleman. I guess that was okay, and it was good for the country. And I can't wait to see the media reactions. Right? the media reactions will, like, if you can get to the sort of climax the media will reach based on that speech— hats off to you man mm-hmm. I mean that like at Let's that say, point you definitely don't need to get Roman Bill, because yeah. <laughs> there's something going on
2: here yeah, that Bill, is not... <laughs> Bill Whittle talks about this idea of government as we the people uh, as eloquently as anyone I've ever heard discuss it. essentially the Constitution is a legal compact between three groups the the federal government which it is creating, the states and the people. We the people is the people who are consenting to the creation of this federal government, saying uh, saying we the pe- having the president of the United States say we up here we we're you we the people are the government would be akin to like in uh, in any criminal case if if the defendant said uh, no uh, we the plaintiff. You
0: you see the trick of the whole thing that the the left has been pushing in overdrive for the past year is this blurring of the distinction between the federal government and the state government. Right now, H.R. 1, the first thing they're taking up, is designed to steal all that power from the states, particularly over elections. What could go wrong there? Right congressmen writing their own election laws and the people. But then what they're doing is they're outsourcing all of that political power per Woodrow Wilson and the progressives for a century
1: to these bureaucrats that are, yeah, you know, it's it's, it's the, the random agencies that are really making the laws. There's something else that's happening when they say that we the people are the government. And that is that what our government originally was supposed to be was a limited government designed to protect individual rights. That's what the, I mean, it's in the Declaration of Independence, right. it's in the Constitution of the United States, the government of enumerated powers. But there's something else there too. It's a government of checks and balances specifically created in order to protect those rights. When you say we the people are the government, what you are saying is that checks and balances are a bad. They're mm-hmm. an mm-hmm. obstacle yeah. because the people... Are the government, and if the people collectively are the government, well then they don't have arguments among themselves. They don't, they don't have checks and balances. You don't need checks and balances. Checks and balances are a bar to what
4: he calls that's, democracy and action. That's what, the, that's what the Democrats have been saying since Wilson, which is called mob rule. And what's interesting is that it was it was Lincoln who basically said, declared that the Declaration was the philosophy behind the Constitution, and it it has been the Democrats who have been trying to unwrite that. Yeah. For, for ever since, since the Civil War.
1: Yeah. No, they, they make the same argument now that Calhoun made. They just make it on a different basis. Right, yeah. And I, the, exactly the
0: trick right. too is we we debate it between small and big government, and that's often where. The, but it, but really the distinction here is limited yes, and right. unlimited. That's government. right. Right, it's what,
1: enumerated powers government and yeah. government yeah. that can do whatever. It's, it's Joe, be a big, Joe Biden literally said that yeah. we have the power in our hands to cure cancer. He yeah. said that in that speech, and everybody's <laughs> just right. going to be like, oh, you know what? That's totally fine. Explain yeah. to me that seriously. I want to know. I want to know who are these evil people standing in the way? Of us curing cancer because if it's adults, Joe Biden who's going to cure cancer? Why has he been holding back the cure all this time? It seems like that would have been a little bit useful. Is it Dr. Jill? Is it Fauci? Like who? I want to know who in their safe can open up that safe and there's the yeah. cure for cancer. If only we just throw a bunch of cash at things, then magically these things get cured. I'll also note that you know he he spent a little bit of time there bashing Big Pharma. He spends the he spends the entire beginning of his speech talking about the magic of the vaccines and we've yeah. tranched out these vaccines. Who do you think created the vaccines? Wasn't Joe Biden? Wasn't useless Dr. Fauci? Wasn't the CDC or the FDA? It, was big, it was big pharma. It was big pharma. Was big pharma.
3: Was, that's always the tension, because the other problem is you spend the first part of the speech and the last part talking about America. We're a light to the world. We're unified. We're a great country. And then you take that detour in the middle saying that, oh, yeah, we're systemically racist. We're oppressing black people. Well, I mean, Wait, which man. is it? I mean, this is this is a horrible country for minorities to live in. We're killing them in the street just for existing. But we have to defeat China. Right and we're right, <laughs> but, but so Joe.
4: Biden we ha- we have to admit here that Joe Biden is riding a wave created by Donald Trump to some degree. He's riding a double wave. One is that the vaccine, which was brought into existence by Trump's program, by the Warp Speed Operation Warp Speed, is basically bringing an end to this this pandemic. That's one thing, and this shutdown, this ill-advised and overlong and ridiculous shutdown. Is going to come to an end and the economy is going to boom. And so Biden knows that he's he's riding that wave. Right. He's riding the wave of the end of this pandemic, which is going to create good feelings, as it should. And he's riding the wave of the, the economy coming back. The question that I have about Biden right now is, is he waiting for, is he hoping that through this he can get this left wing agenda? Because let's let's face it. Biden is not a leftist. He's not anything. He's he's a right. he's a weather vane. He goes with where the party goes. Well, he right wants now, his legacy. Right now, the party he wants he wants his legacy. He wants his legacy. But right now, the party is a left wing party. It is a far left party, and it is pushing him along. If he loses in the midterms, if he loses the majority in the House, and even could lose the majority in the Senate, really. Is that better for him in some way? Yes. That, yeah, because, he mean, doesn't,
1: because, because he, he doesn't. Then
4: here's he the become, thing. He
1: doesn't care he doesn't what care. happens That's right. four years from now. That's he's right. not running for re reelection. Right. All he wants to be known as is a. He doesn't want to be the old man who is just the bridge to Kamala. He wants to be the guy who's, who they should put on Mount Rushmore because he had the most consequential single term in American history. And so he's going to ram through as much of this crap as possible. He has the single best issue ever to do it. Namely, this COVID pandemic. Right. So that's why yeah. he's hanging on to this thing with the skin of his teeth. I mean, he is just grabbing onto the right. COVID pandemic. And he's like, we've got to remake the economy. We've got to make racial politics in this country. We've got to redo uh, our foreign policy. we got to redo our unionization laws. we got to pass everything. we got to do it right now, right now, right that's now. A- because of what you're saying. Right. If he waits too long, the economy already will have recovered. And then we're going to be like, we don't need any of this. That's one of the many reasons
3: why it's, it's insane that we allow a 78-year-old man to be president in the first place. Yeah. Because they're not going to be around... For the future, so they've sort of got nothing to lose. I I don't know why. This should be... He's a lame duck. There should be agreement across the entire country that there should be an age limit for the presidency on the upper end, just like there is on the lower end. 35, you can't run before 35. Why should we allow you after 75 to run? That gives you a 40-year window to become president. You can't do it then. Go home to your family, sit in a rocking chair, talk to your grandchildren. It wasn't meant to be. I, I mean, that's... That, that sh-
4: I do sh- think they should put him on Mount Rushmore because he's as lively as the other presidents.
2: <laughs> I want to push back on some conventional wisdom that you just you cited. You said, you know, he's going to ride this wave of goodwill that will accompany the end of the, of the pandemic. He's going to uh, ride the economic boom that comes at the end of the pandemic. You had one other thing about the end of the pandemic.
4: Just the the good feeling of uh, yeah. people coming back to uh,
2: I actually wonder if any of those things are true. Okay. I think they could have been true. And I think in the final analysis, they will not be true. Hmm. I think that the economy is not going to surge. I think that the economy has to some degree surged already because red states started going back to work right. six months ago. Um, but I think they've printed so much money during this pandemic that what we're actually going to see is this huge wave of economic activity that everybody's kind of been counting on, I think it's not going to happen the way that we thought it would. And the markets, because they've been so wound up waiting for that to happen, are going to suddenly uh, become disillusioned. And markets run on, on the illusion of momentum. I think that that economic surge isn't coming. I think inflation is coming instead. And I don't think there's going to be a wave of euphoric goodwill at the end of the pandemic because I actually think they've created it since the lockdowns weren't actually, that was your other one, the lockdowns. Yeah. Since the lockdowns weren't actually driven by the science of the pandemic. Masks weren't driven by the science of the pandemic. The CDC guidelines weren't driven by the science of the pandemic. Nothing, therefore, has changed scientifically to justify the end of, quote, 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 unquote. But what I mean is this. People aren't going to take their masks off. Hmm. People aren't going to acknowledge an end of the pandemic. You're going to have the people who were the most afraid, who wore masks every day, got vaccinated, still wear masks. And the people who were not very afraid, made a different risk assessment, probably never wore masks that much, don't get vaccinated and have been living their lives more or less already. Those two camps are just going to remain. I don't think Joe Biden can wave a wand and say, congratulations, Pan- pandemic done over. It's gone, done, totally over. They can't
4: put it back together. I, I actually think that what we're actually disagreeing on is timing. Yeah, See, I, 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 think there's, I think there's going to be economic boom. I think there's going to be an end to the pandemic. But the question is over the long term, the things that Biden is doing are going to cost us dearly, but, but not for two years.
1: Well, that's the question. Is okay. it going to be two years? It's going to be a year and a half, right? That's the gamble. No, yeah. That really is the gamble. Yeah, I no. mean, if, if things start to crash in the middle of next year, yeah. then they lose the Cong- first of all. I think they lose the Congress anyway. Yeah, I think. I think that. Let us hope. Yeah. I, I think they're going to lose the House of Representatives. I, I find it very hard to believe that they're yeah. going to retain the House, considering that they did so poorly when Joe Biden won seven more ten million, million more popular votes than than Donald Trump, and they barely held on to the House. But there He's, is a question here, which is do they get through this major election overhaul that gives a distinct advantage well they, they to can't i mean not not without Mansion breaking the filibuster, right? right, yeah. right. And, and cinema and also, breaking the filibuster. And I don't think either of them are going to do that. And it, that, may, so not be, it not.
4: may not be constitutional. I mean, it, well, that too. I mean, yeah, I think yeah. it's
1: pretty wildly unconstitutional. Yeah. The you know, it's, Court, it's, 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 what
4: was interesting to me, too, about the speech, though, is what wasn't in it. There was no mention of free speech. There was no mention of wokeness, of, of any of the kinds of things, of the, the critical race theory. There, You know, even though he said we were well, racist. He's in favor of it. Uh, yes, he is, he is <laughs> in favor of it. And those are things that are really starting to bother them. And the way you can tell they're starting to bother them is the left is starting to say, Woke is a bad term. Woke is a bad term. Whenever they get caught being who they are, they yeah. change the word. Yeah. You know, that is like, yeah, we used to be liberal. Now we're so, progressive. That's think, what I, political correctness I, is, I think, right? I think, Biden, has the some, I think
1: some Biden, Biden knows that his time is limited and it's rushing him yeah. for two reasons. Not just because of the four year thing and him being in obviously <laughs> declining health and, right. and all of that. I think that there's something else going on. The poll numbers for him are not good. They're I just agree. not good. I agree. He's at 52, 53%. He won at and 51%. I don't th- and I think that's belong. Okay, but even if you even if you think it's true, yeah. he's at the exact same percentage that he was in the popular vote. Okay, with the end of the pandemic, with the booming economy, with no major foreign crisis, yeah. right? And, and with the media fawning all over him and treating him as though he's a historic president with 100% positive media coverage. And he's still at 51%, which right. means that he only has one direction that he can go at this point. <laughs> Yeah. Right and and it ain't up. There's a, what what can he do to make himself more popular at this point? Seriously, he's handed literal cash checks to Americans. He's just sent checks to millions of Americans. He's he's said to them, "Here are your vaccines." And you know what? You know you, now he hasn't said go back to life, but he will. Nobody, th- there's no place to go for him but down from here. And so he's like, "Okay, well, the times times waste in, right? right, the clock right. is ticking. Because if yeah. I start hitting forty five percent, forty percent, everything's gone."
2: We're gonna take questions from some of our. Dailywire.com subscribers, they're the reason that we're here tonight and able to bring this show to you. So we want to hear from him. Question, how dumb does he think we are? Who will pay for all of this? Of course, those of low income will vote for him, and Democrats, they can continue to get things for free, and all of these reductions... Uh, for staying at a low income. I mean I mean we all know the answer who's going to pay for it. Ben's going to pay for it. Right.
4: right. But he but he's not because because you can't tax billionaires to get trillions of dollars. It doesn't make any sense. I mean, right. I'm sorry. It, it really doesn't. And the question of how dumb does he think we are dumb? Every D U M B with big letters. Yeah. But my the problem, problem is, is
1: it is it. humanly possible to be. I was screaming at the television when he's talking about taxes. Yeah. Because he what he is saying is so obviously asinine. When he says that rich people don't pay their fair share in this country, that is just an abject, disgusting lie. It is a lie. The top 10% of income earners in this country pay all net taxes. Not some of the net taxes, all of the net taxes. Because net taxes are defined as what you pay into the government minus what you get back from the government. So if you get back from the government more than you paid in, this means that you were not a person who paid net taxes into the government. Only the people at the top of the spectrum are paying net taxes in this country. All of the net taxes in this country. When he says they're not paying their fair share, the only thing he means by they're not paying their fair share is it should be nearly all of your income goes to the federal government. And when he says things like, I'm not going to tax anybody who's making under $400,000 a year, he is lying to you through his teeth. When he says I'm going to tax corporations, corporations are not human beings for purposes of taxes. The money that would have been passed on to you via income is being taxed up here. That money is now being withdrawn from the system and taken away from you. Corporations are going to have to raise prices in order to deal with the taxation effects. When he says that I'm going to tax all of these rich people on their capital gains taxes, what do you think those rich people are going to do rather than put their money in the stock market where they get taxed on capital gains? They're not going to put their money in the stock market. So what happens to your 401k if you're a union member or a teacher's union member? What do you think happens to all the other 50 percent of the population who are invested in the stock market right now? And what happens to the businesses that hire you when Joe Biden decides that your boss needs to be taxed out of existence in order so that he can determine where the dollars go? This jackass who's never created a single job in his entire life. The
2: people who don't pay their fair share in this country are the poor. We need to raise taxes on the poor. I'm not joking. I'm not joking. The poor in this country pay zero. The lower middle class in this country pay net zero. So we have a group of people who pay no taxes, a group of people who pay no net taxes, a group of people who pay all the net taxes, and his argument is that it's Category 3 who don't pay their fair share. Fair share means your percentage of taxes. We've determined that there are some people who shouldn't pay any percent of taxes. The only fair taxing system is one in which everyone... Hey, but you know what's what's
0: complicated about this, and it's the bait that Biden wants us to take, is he wants to make this a class issue. Poor people vote for Democrats, rich yeah. people vote for Republicans. It's just not true. It's it's just millionaires not true. broke true. for Biden, right. and very often it's those poor, deplorable Americans who That's vote right. for Republicans.
1: And it's it's just a lie really that good. Biden and all these and it's always, it's just all double taxation. It's all double yeah, taxation. Every dollar is getting taxed seven different ways. And if is I earn a specific- dollar, I get paid. I get I get taxed as, as income if I earn a dollar. Then if I invest it in the stock market, they tax that dollar. Then if, God forbid, I die and I pass it on to my kids, they, they tax that dollar. Then if I use it in a transaction, they tax that uh, dollar. If I used to buy a house, they tax it in property tax. The, the,
3: the problem is nobody cares. Like, of course, spending is, I think, sort of the Republican climate change. In that yeah. it's the issue we talk about, but Point. nobody cares yeah. because it's, yeah. it's not a reality. Now, the difference is that spending is an actual problem where climate change isn't. Yeah. But, <laughs> but, but in people's lived experience, which is the phrase that we hear from, from the left all the time, it's just not a reality to them. They don't feel it. So it's just this doesn't mean anything. And on top of it, um, we also know that for the last four years, there's this sort of glaring uh, you know, dead zone say, where yeah. Republicans stopped
1: talking about this issue completely. And now uh, and now they're getting back to it. it just I think it rings hollow. No, I mean, just that, that's 100% matter. true. I will say that there is a difference that is not even degree anymore. It is now turning into a difference of kind between you spend $4 trillion a year and you spend $10 trillion a year. Right? Yes, Republicans did a horrible job restraining themselves on spending, but that's been true for decades. Yeah. I mean, seriously, really only in the 90s with Newt Gingrich did they do anything yeah. serious about spending. Other than that, Republicans have spent like drunken sailors. Yeah. But Joe Biden isn't spending like a drunken sailor. Joe Biden is spending like an entire drunken Navy. I mean, it's, 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 it's insane. I mean, the, and there will be effects to this. The, on the taxation side, what people should understand is that it's not just me bitching about paying too much of my taxes, even though I do pay way too much of my taxes. And in fact, I, one of the main reasons for me leaving a high-tax state was because I did not wish to spend large sums of money with the worst government in America, yeah, the government of the state thing, of California, right, yeah. right? so that I could have a, a drug-addicted homeless person standing directly outside my front gate yeah. w- suffering. And threatening my family. Is it like that, that seemed like not a great way to my tax dollars. But, the, but it's, what people need to understand is that when he talks about raising taxes, those are the dollars that go to make your job. Okay, This this lie that it's, when he says the middle class built this country, where did the middle class get its money? Where does he think that came this, from? This is like that is such just, crap. I mean, like, I'm discuss- a middle, I am was a middle class person for the vast majority of my life. My parents were middle class people for the vast majority of their lives. The middle class is great, but people are in and out of the middle class. It's not a set group of human beings. Yeah, that's right. You, you start yeah. off in America as a poor person. Then you move into the middle class as you age. And then by the time you retire, usually you're upper Same middle class. for minimum
3: wage workers. That's not a set group. You're supposed to be a minimum wage worker for, you know, a couple years We're not
4: living. We're not living in like this is why in a, in a British they, TV show from 1773,
1: to, right, where everybody is a part of a class and you just stay there your whole life and you can never escape it. That's not how it works here. Every, sure. time, every time
4: a president or a government worker uses the word investment, I want to explode because the investment means that they you, make a, you go out to work. You make a dollar. They take the dollar and say, you know what I'm going to spend this dollar on? I'm going to spend it on what I want to spend it on. Whereas if you choose, if you go and say, I'm going to buy a Chinese meal, you've actually created another job. You've actually invested your money where you think it should go. Investment
1: by nature, by definition, entails taking a risk. Okay, when I invest a a dollar, I am taking a risk. I'm putting the dollar in, and then maybe if things go well, I will make more dollars out than the dollar that I put in. When the government invests your money, they don't give a sh- they don't give two <laughs> craps whether a dollar comes back in the other end. In fact, they know that a dollar is not coming in back in back in the other end. Right. But
4: investment also involves choice, and who's going to make that choice? Is it going to be you who earned the money, or them? You know, I mean, we had yeah. that system in the South before the Civil War, where somebody else did the work and the other guy got the money. That's right. That's not the way it's supposed. By to. the
2: way, if the government wanted to invest, it would actually be fairly remarkable. So we pay approximately $2,000 a month to people over 65 in this country for Social Security. It's almost impossible to live a good life on $2,000 a month in this country. But that's what we give them, and we tell them that we're very charitable and we're very caring because we do it. It's now, if you if you live for, let's say, 20 years, and we're paying you $2,000 a month, we're paying you $24,000 uh, a year, we're paying you $240,000 a decade, we're paying you approximately $500,000 uh, every 20 years, yeah. Every 20 years. In, in, for the 20 years of your retirement. Uh, during that period of time, there is no money. It's not your money. Uh, they told you it was your money. They said they were going to take your money put it in a lockbox. <laughs> they, they didn't. They spent all your money. Now they're taking the money from younger people That's right. to give to, give to you. And there are so
4: fewer of them, too.
2: And there are fewer and fewer of them. So they're taking money from people who are working, giving it to people who aren't working to the tune of $2,000 a month, $24,000 a year. You're not doing very well. Uh, and the government owns you, block stock. That's right. Well, the- now, if the government wanted to invest, it could, instead of doing that, it could say, instead of paying you $2,000 when you retire, we're going to put $2,000 a month into the market in your name on the day that you're born. And if they did that for 24 months, you would have three times more money in retirement and you could live more than 20 years. You could retire at 65 and live for 40 years. If they put it in Dogecoin, you'd be a trillionaire. Trillion <laughs> the point being, investments bear returns. Right. The government yeah. just confiscates money yeah. from the people who have it and give it to the people most likely to vote for them. Yeah. And they call that an investment.
3: How do you get people to, to care about this issue, though? That's, that's what I can't... They're, going, or they're or can about to they care. It, right? They're
2: about to care. We haven't cared heretofore because there's been more and more and more money. The problem is now the interest that we actually, the the debt isn't free. You have to pay interest on the debt. It's been the case that up until now, the interest on the debt was a serviceable number. But we're getting to a place now where the interest on the debt will require us to pay higher and higher taxes and get nothing else in return for it.
1: Well, this is where we're going to, we're about to hit within the next five to 10 years where Germany was, right? We're going to start having to take austerity measures and the Democrats are not going to want to do austerity measures. But they're really not going to have a choice because even Angela Merkel has to do austerity measures, right? Even even yes. the Greeks yeah. had to do austerity measures. Like there comes a point where you just don't have any choices left. And then it's basically going to be a fight over how much austerity is too much austerity and how much taxation is too much taxation. But we're going to find ourselves in a world of hurt. And the only way that you're going to be able to get out of that world of hurt is by actively cutting benefits. And if you want actual economic growth, actively cutting taxes, because otherwise, the only solution is to raise taxes sky high and cut benefits, in which case you get a stagnant economy and crappy social service.
4: And we're living on the illusion that the American dollar is still the strongest uh, economic vehicle in the world, where ultimately, uh, eventually, that's just not going to be true. Well,
1: this this is why I think the next step that's going to be made is they're going to come after Bitcoin with a vengeance. Hmm. They're going to wreck Bitcoin. Hmm. The the government cannot allow Bitcoin to exist. They can't. Because more and more people are saying, as you inflate the dollar... I'm just going to take my money and I'll put it in gold or I'll put it in Bitcoin. Yeah. FDR didn't like when people were investing in gold for a very specific reason, yeah. right? They're going to do exactly the same thing with Bitcoin, which basically just is a repository of value that is not inflatable yeah. by a centralized government.
2: So can I talk about the best part of the speech, the part I like the most? Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's the part where Joe Biden <laughs> sold 100,000 AR-15s. I think <laughs> <laughs> at the end of that speech, he sold approximately 100,000 yeah. oh, yeah. AR-15s. By saying that he's going to take away AR-15. And,
4: and the Washington Post, by the way, debunked, actually called him on the idea that uh, Republicans and gun owners support him in this. don't. Oh, of, yeah. of course
2: not. Of course not. Gun control is becoming less and less popular right. every day. One of the amazing things that's actually happening in the country and was really escalated during COVID is that uh, not not only did we sell more guns in the last year than it had ever been sold before, there were more first-time gun yeah. owners. Well, it recently? possible to get ammo now, unfortunately. right, Right. Yeah.
1: But... The more people buy guns, the less people support. Well, they, they keep saying things like, what if we got rid of all the guns because guns are bad? Also, what if we got rid of all the cops because cops are bad? And you're like, well, that's a bit of a
2: also, what if we shut down all the prisons because prisons are. bad?" Also,
0: what one, if we take take away all of your investments so you have any money? This is, is the one issue.
3: Gun control is maybe the one issue that Republicans and conservatives have held the line on for decades and have actually won.
2: Yeah. This yeah. one
3: issue. It's a very important issue. It's not, to my mind, the most important issue, uh, but it's very, very important. And, uh, you know, I always wonder what lessons can we take from that? Look at what the gun uh, rights lobby has done, and can we do similar things with, like, the life issue and protecting children and those sorts of things? I
2: don't agree. We've held the line well on the life issue, and it is another issue that we went on. Uh, what we haven't done uh, a good job of is actually using government to forward the life issue when we have power.
0: Good point.
2: But we have done a great job, I think. There, so, there are no pro-choice uh, Republicans in elected national elected office, right, are there? Right. Now, the fact that we suck at doing anything about it once we're in power, I totally agree. But those are the only two, I would say there are two issues that we've been
1: incredibly ideologically pure on it's also it's also different math with regard to legislation just because on guns it's easier to obstruct than it is to pass right yeah it's much easier to say okay you guys want to pass this stuff you don't have the votes for it than to say okay we're going to roll back all of this pro-choice nonsense well but we also
3: but but you know 500 million dollars a year going to Planned Parenthood I agree with you uh kills 330,000 babies a year and and that continued when Republicans had total control of the government
4: so they do not. Absolutely, they do. They're, they're talking Absolutely. about Republicans being cowards. They do not want to do it. They're so well, you even
0: think about. It. I mean, Trump stripped something. What was it? Sixty million, I think, from Planned Parenthood. Yeah. Just, just doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah. It's going to go right back. Right. You can't, and, you, you can't and, really. And do the it. thing
4: is, we talk about following the science. The science is on our side in this. The te- technology yeah. is yeah, on our right. side. You can now see a baby in the. You know, this didn't happen before. When Aquinas was writing about the quickening, he didn't. He didn't have a sonar machine that he could just say, "Oh, there's the baby. Yeah, it's a baby." You know. It's, you
0: know, I'll give an example example on this my cute little son I never got a good sonogram of him because he had his fist right by his face I actually couldn't I paid for the extra 3d sonogram yeah. I never got it and you know what my little son after he came out of the womb you know what he always does he always has his <laughs> hand by his face because he's the baby he's the same
2: baby that was in the womb what I'll say about uh, the abortion argument there there is something happening in America right now which I don't I think goes unnoticed uh, and that's it. That the states are winning huge victories. Yes. on the life issue. Yeah. It's all, our argument about Roe v. Wade has always been that it was an issue better decided by the states. Yep. And we're right. The federal yeah. government yeah. can't make the right decision about it. States, Texas, Tennessee are making great decisions on the life issue, consequential decisions. It's much harder to get an abortion in the reddest of red states than it has been at any point. In in the lifetime of anyone except Trump, we just
0: had a new bill passed two
1: days ago in Idaho. Another another heartbeat bill. Yeah, that's right. The, what what you're seeing also with Joe Biden accelerating. I mean, this is real accelerationism. What he is doing right yes. now. Yes, and what it's going to result in is the amount of the amount of movement by conservatives into red states is just going to be overwhelming. People are just It's already say, pretty it's, amazing, yeah. I mean, yeah. It's, it, I can tell you that in Florida, the real estate market is just extraordinary right yeah. now. Oh, like yeah. you, you, people are buying houses sight unseen. Yeah. Because they're like, I got to get out of here Same and I got to get someplace I'm sane.
0: Yeah. There are people at this company who bought houses sight unseen yeah. in Tennessee, yeah. actually.
4: I'm looking forward as an Angelino leaving Los Angeles. I'm looking forward to bringing homelessness and uh, ugly, <laughs> ugly uh, billboards to the rest of the country. Okay, you know? Yeah, you're going to be
2: great. <laughs> Great. Uh, So I'm going to take a few more questions from dailywire.com subscribers. Uh, They are the people keeping the show on the air. Go over to dailywire.com slash subscribe and get your question in for the group. Biden refers to China as our direct competition, but do you think he will stand up against them if China follows through and becomes aggressive toward Taiwan? Michael.
0: How much money did uh, Hunter Biden have on the line there with that Uh, private equity deal? That that didn't, I guess it didn't go through. No, of course not. The, the, The thing that we have learned over the last couple of years, I think, in the conservative movement, is that there is the blob the liberal establishment, which ha- there's an uncomfortable overlap between the government and the administrative state and big tech and big corporations, those big woke corporations in Georgia. And where are they getting a lot of their money from? Just ask LeBron James. Just ask the NBA. That's right. They get it from China. So is is Joe Biden, who not that long ago was cheering on the rise of China, saying this is a wonderful thing. A rising China is great for everybody. Good Let him into the WTO. This. Of course not. He's the last guy that's going to stand
1: up. Well, him. I think that I don't think China is going to make a full-on militarily aggressive move against Taiwan because I think they don't think they need to. I think what they're going to do is they're going to start a low-level pressure campaign against Taiwan, see if they can get a government elected in Taiwan that is much more pro-China, and then just start using authoritarian measures because this is exactly what they did in Hong Kong and (laughs) the rest of the world just shrugged. I I mean, it is an amazing thing that we have watched in our lifetime. The first reversal of a free state into absolute tyranny through a foreign country's influence. It's the first thing that this is the first time this has happened basically since the end of the cold war right. yeah. and and the rest and everybody just shrugged they went okay so they just subjected well, seven million people in hong kong to absolute
4: tyranny and no one cared you know we, we have a serious problem with china first of all i, I want to say that if i were china i'd go into taiwan tomorrow i would take it over tomorrow yeah. i I'd do it militarily and i i mean they just what is biden going to do at this point he Nothing. has not got the wherewithal it, 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 and he it proves
2: america the... to be neutered if they do it What's that? They both get Taiwan, and they get to show that America... That's, that's right. And the
1: American people but, don't want to go but, uh, send the military into it. No, it wouldn't turn it the into left military has, so the they'd, be, they'd be able to take it, but there would be some pretty significant economic consequences for them, so why not do it the easy way?
4: The, the left's problem with China is the left is China. They actually believe in uh, yeah. a, free mar- a, free, a free market, but uh, in chained people. And yeah. and China has shown so far... I don't actually believe that's going to work in the long run, but they have shown so far that they can make that work. Well, uh, our, our belief... I they're, they're, they're the just,
1: ca- China is just sans Holocaust. And if you include what's going on in Shenzhen, even including Holocaust, they're just Nazi Germany. Yeah, that's, that's all right. they are. I mean, they, they have, <laughs> well, they have a no, Nazi economy, right. which they yeah. top down corporatist economy in which they have a few approved companies. And the government of China says you're allowed to make a lot of money here and you're allowed to make a lot of money here. It's basically mercantilism. Mm-hmm. And you're going to and will yeah, allow I don't you. Think, I
2: don't agree that that's a
1: free market. That's not a free market. It's mercantilist right. corporatism. That's that, that's. But, but, it.
4: That, but that's essentially what the Democrats are for. I mean, they believe in controlling oh, mean, Yeah. They believe in controlling the people through the corporations and controlling the corporations through the government. Right. That, that is China. So why why should they fight?
2: How can we count on Republicans, asks one DailyWire.com subscriber, to actually fight back against these policies that Biden is implementing?
3: Well, we can't. I mean, that's the, yeah. what I, and we didn't see the whole Tim Scott speech, but um, what we needed to see, and maybe he did it, I'm skeptical, is a fiery defense of law and order. You know, a defense of free speech. This is what people care about. They need to get fired up getting on board with police reform in any capacity at all. We shouldn't even be entertaining the idea. Um, There's no reason for it because this crisis of uh, police brutality is manufactured by the left. But uh, I don't have any confidence in the Republican Party at all, especially because, as we talked about before we went there, these Republicans came to the speech and wore their masks, um, including some Republicans who previously had
0: great moments where they said, I'm not going to wear the mask because I don't need to. And there they are sitting. Well, you know, we just said that, there's this model here where the, the liberal establishment is going to use the corporations to control the people. Money talks and BS walks. And just a few hours ago, there was an excellent op-ed published in the Wall Street Journal by our pal Ted Cruz. Cruz came out and he said, look, Republicans were wrong to shill for corporations before. We were all part of it. We're not going to do it anymore. We're not going to let them do I'm not going to take a penny from corporate PACs more than that. I call on all of my fellow Republicans not to take a penny from corporate PACs. Is that going to solve the problem? I don't think it's going to solve the problem. Is it a step in the right direction? Absolutely. Especially if it pressures Republicans to break this, this hold. Because we, how many big tech hearings did we see where yeah. those, those senators, they sat there and they yelled at Mark Zuckerberg. Yeah. Yeah. They yelled at all these guys. And then what followed from that? Absolutely nothing. Yeah. Because, because big tech was donating to their campaigns. Yeah.
2: I think it's not just that big tech donates to their campaigns. Uh, I think that it's also uh, what we've been talking about all all night. It's a fundamental kind of cowardice among Republicans to take action. One of the things that's happened is that Congress generally has, uh, has ceded all of its constitutional authorities to the executive and the bureaucracy. They don't want to do anything because you can you can't really be judged
4: that's right on nothing that's, that's, that's right. you can exactly. you
2: only are going right. to lose the yeah. th- their theory goes yeah. if we do something there'll be people who don't like oh, it and then yeah. we'll lose. Well yeah. it's it's totally. also
1: true that there are a lot of conservatives who think that conservatism is really more attitudinal than programmatic. Meaning yeah. it's it's more about the attitude that you take about stopping change as opposed to, you know, a program for actually implementing change. Well, if it's just about the attitude and what you're conserving is a system that has largely moved to the left, you're not actively being conservative. You. And and you, you see this over and over from members of government, which is, well, you know, we did thwart their plans, right? Our job is to be there and it's to stand to thwart the rails of history shouting stop. Well what happened if the train already pushed you several hundred yards in this direction? It doesn't matter. If you if you're like this train needs to be put on a completely different track. They don't yeah.
4: they don't understand they act like European conservatives. And they don't understand that American conservatives are liberal. American conservatives are conserving the Constitution, the most liberal document in the old style uh meaning of liberal, most liberal document ever invented because it leaves people free. Liberalism is freedom and it leaves people free. We are defending something, a philosophy, an act of philosophy, as opposed to Europeans defending blood and soil and rank and all the things that conservatives in Europe uh, defended. We We don't defend any of that. We defend the Constitution. We are defending a revolutionary idea, the only revolutionary political idea that's existed for... 200 years. I mean,
1: it's kind of incredible. I I spoke to the House Republican Caucus a little bit earlier this week, as reported in a a few of the uh, kind of political outlets, and one of the things that I was talking about was the contract with America. I said, you guys ought to have a second contract with America. So I went back, I looked at the original contract with America. What I noticed is that the original contract with America, which promised that the Republicans would pass about 10 different bills and 8 different reforms, they did pass all of those things, and many of them were vetoed by Bill Clinton. But a lot of those things are still not done. Right, things like zero baseline yeah. budgeting. Right? They're like that's that's an easy one. Right? there there are certain things that are that are that they were like police reform was being proposed like not police reform, additional police funding was being proposed by the Republicans in ninety three, so yeah. that they would win back to Congress in ninety four, because there were serious problems with crime at that point. Even Joe Biden thought there were serious problems with crime yeah. at that point, back when he had not completely lost his mind. Yeah. And the Is the that fact- back when Kamala was marching at Selma? <laughs> <laughs> I think so. She was and, in and, the uh, uh, scroller, yeah. And the and and the fact is that the Republicans have held Congress several times since then with a Republican president and with the Republican Senate, and they didn't make that stuff permanent. They only passed it when Democrats were in control.
3: We should be fair, though. We did have a Republican leader read Green Eggs
2: and Ham. Oh. And, you know, that was
3: an important moment for all of us. Cool. Yeah.
2: we, we less, less than uh, four years ago, Republicans controlled the Congress and the presidency, and they did Nothing. Nothing. And you know there there is and a they, way. Oh,
1: they passed a tax cut.
2: <laughs> they passed a tax a temp- cut. A temporary. They tax they changed music copyright law. <laughs> they, that was
1: big. They there is a way. That was actually a good thing. it, no, it wasn't was a good thing, system. but it, it wasn't like on my list of priorities. Yeah. It wasn't
0: like you know there were a lot of conservatives right now who hear when we talk about the Constitution and these abstract philosophical ideas who say that's I don't I don't care about things that are floating in the yeah. sky. I want tangible results, and I think there is a way to bring these things together, which is. The American way of life. There is an American way of life where all these great philosophical ideas have actually been embodied in real institutions and real rights that we've all cherished for a very long time that the left is trying to destroy. And I just think if Republicans would get down to brass tacks and say, you know, the stuff that's going on in our streets, it's just wrong. We don't like it. It's not part of our political tradition, which comes from our ideas and the way it's been enacted. Get back to that. Get back to that America that we cherish and love. Trump did a very good job of of putting it in really practical terms. And I just fear sometimes Republicans were too pie in the sky about it. Just give people something to hold on to in, in this you know, country.
4: You know, it is funny. Trump didn't do a good job of telling stories. He was really good at that. And it was something that Republicans and conservatives in general need to learn. But, you know... All the time Trump was in office, I would complain about his personality and his rudeness and his unkindness. And I think, like, that really was the turning point in the sense that, for instance, John McCain destroyed the end of Obamacare. Because he was ticked off. Yeah. He had been mistreated. And, you know, these guys are all narcissists and they don't want to be mistreated. We are left with and I think you, uh, Matt, tweeted this out uh, yesterday or today uh, that we were left with a Republican administration that left us nothing of enduring value. And unfortunately, that happens just too often because of what you're saying, Ben, that that they don't have a a positive vision of what it means to be a conservative. And I I think you're right, too. I think that, that, that the idea, we are talking about things that, that maybe are a little too pie in the sky. We have to show people how they work. It's a harder story to tell. It's a harder story to tell that each individual person making decisions on his own, each individual person trying to better his life actually betters the country more than you know, fa- Joe Biden's idea that he's just going to yeah. pour money. Well,
1: what's it. kind of fascinating is that Democrats do one thing that I've never really heard a Republican do. Democrats do something that that is very useful in in nearly every state that has popular support, and that is they ask for sacrifice. Right they do this all the time. say you're going to have to sacrifice this for climate change. You're going to have to sacrifice this for racial inequity. You're going to have to sacrifice this for income inequality. And the truth is, that Republicans never do that. They sort of suggest, okay, well, you can have your cake and you can eat it too, which yeah. is how you end up with tax cuts and high spending, right? Yep. And no point do they ever say, you know what? For the sake of the country and for the sake of your children, we're going to have to cut spending and it's come for, it's going to come from places never, that you're never upset do. about. Just right? It's going sure to come it. from places where you may be upset at me that I'm cutting this, but for the sake of your kids, you are going to have to just take the hit. You're going to have to be an adult. And, and so what they've done is they've trained an entire generation of Republican voters to vote for Republicans. But then when it comes time to pass a piece of legislation that requires some sacrifice here or there, the Republican voter goes, well, I do want to cut spending, but I really don't want to cut that. Yeah,
3: but the difference is the difference is I totally agree with what you're saying. I think that needs to be the message from the Republican Party. Absolutely. Uh, but the one advantage that the Democrats have is they ask for sacrifice, but it's someone else is making the sacrifice. So you as the <laughs> voter are not sacrificing. So on climate change... On taxes, everything—it's—it's it's the not, bad guys, is evil. I'm actually Richard. not
2: sure, Matt. i, I think that uh, they like the sacrifice. I think right? that Recycling people like the, the idea. The masking. The mask is, the is a sacrifice, and this is Orwell on Hitler, right. right? Orwell very famously during the war, early in the war, forty-one maybe. Forty-one. Writes uh, forty. 40. Uh, forty writes an introduction to Mein Kampf, and it's one of the most fascinating reads. If—if if you've never read, it's very short, two or three pages. Uh, it's fascinating because he—he he predicts the end. Uh, of the pact between German and uh, Germany and Russia uh vis-a-vis Poland he 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 basically tells the future uh and so you read it now and it feels like well yeah we all know that that's what happens <laughs> at the time no one knew that's what what was going to happen except orwell right and he's saying exactly what's going to happen and at the at the conclusion he says very close to what you're saying Ben he essentially says that you know the the liberal west offers its people the promise of a life of security and ease yeah and the power of Hitler is that he stands before his people uh, against the backdrop of Western ease and promises them only uh,
1: honor and valor and oil and, 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 and sacrifice. And so
4: does Churchill. Churchill did the exact same thing, blood, sweat, and tears. Blood, sweat, and tears. Which is
1: why people see him as an inspirational leader. That's The, right. the, the lie, That's of, the right. lie of, of modern liberalism is that what people actually want from their leaders is stuff. Right, That if you give them a prosperous state, yeah. then they'll be super happy. And it's just a lie. We have the most prosperous America that we've ever had. We had it before the pandemic, and we'll have it again after the pandemic. And yet people are deeply unhappy because yeah. normally the things that they would be called to sacrifice for, like their religion, even their religions are not calling for them to sacrifice anymore. Right. Their we, religions aren't even calling for them to sacrifice their own personal desires on behalf. Yes, so, <laughs> I mean, is, it less, is it less
3: sacrifice? It's, 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 there's, a, there's an element of sacrifice, but I think the main thing with with Democrats and the left, especially somebody like Bernie Sanders... It's, it's a, he's making a moral argument. Yes. So that's what he's talking about. He's right. saying this is the right thing to do, and that's why we need to do it. Uh, whether they're sacrificed or not, it's just the right thing. There, it, it might not be the most practical thing, but it's the right thing. There,
0: there, and, that's what the, and that's the argument that the Republican Party doesn't make. They've sacrificed a, the moral argument. There is a liturgical element to this in that you remember a few years ago, and I guess more than a few years now, under Obama, Obama said, look, we'll solve this terrorism thing once we get some more jobs in Pakistan. Then it's all good and more jobs in Afghanistan. Then then they'll all be happy because they'll have iPhones. And you had this strange phenomenon of third generation Foreigners you know th- uh, third generation immigrants in the United Kingdom, flying to the Middle East to join ISIS That's oh my right. why are you leaving London to join ISIS because of exactly what Orwell said That's right. because that is a life imbued with meaning and sacrifice and an enactment of these But you values. guys
4: are leaving one thing out. You're leaving one thing out. In order to call for sacrifice, you have to have a crisis. And the left manufactures crises again and again and again, and we never do. What we always say is the only crisis is the left. But we do have a crisis in this country. We have a crisis of spirit. We have a crisis of vision. We have a crisis of freedom, most importantly of yeah. all. And we have to... Push that forward and un- make people understand that those things are things you sacrifice for. I'm not sacrificing to turn off the sun. I'm sorry, the sun is going to be there, and if it's not there, it's <laughs> just going to be a very, very cold night. You know? I mean, <laughs> like, effort, so you know, I, yeah. I, but but I will I will sacrifice. You know, we were talking about Nick Fuentes today, a guy all of us despise, and we despise the things he believes in. I personally. I personally am uh, offended by what Nick Fuentes says, but he got on a plane and they wouldn't let him fly. And I, I want to defend his rights, not because I defend him, but because his rights are my rights. Of course, they are your rights, and we want to preserve those rights. We've got to make people and for understand. our ch- and, and for our children
3: too. I mean, it, it sounds like a cliche, but that's yeah. that's a real crisis. We're murdering our children. Uh, they're they're being corrupted and perverted in schools. We're you yep. know, literally trying to turn boys into girls, yep. uh, drugging and mutilating them. That, that's that's a real crisis. That I think most people are willing to sacrifice for their children, mm-hmm. and th- that's a message that somehow the Republican Party doesn't make. One of the most, one of the
4: most essentially left-wing uh, moments of these last few weeks was the New York Times saying that we mustn't judge, we mustn't talk about the fact that these children who have been out of school are never going to catch up because that stigmatizes them. Yeah. So in other words our lousy programs our lousy ideas the things terrible things that we did are not going to be addressed because oh that would stigmatize the children you know we of course we have to defend our children the left has sold them to the teachers union
2: can i make an unpopular no, damn
1: it.
4: We, you? we, we want you to be popular that.
1: every oh, damn on. minute. More than popular than tax the poor. I
2: mean. taxing? taxing the poor is moral, and we should do it. The only
5: thing I'm just going to keep double down on this one. Can we also the, beat up the poor? No,
2: no, 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 stop that. Drew. God, we, we preach in this country the virtue of not working. Yeah. You have books the 40-hour work week. You know, everyone wants early retirement. How can I retire by 35? Retire by 40. How can I retire by 50? Uh we were we are meant in a fallen world to bingo. Toil. Bingo. The Bible doesn't say uh take one day of your two-day weekend and don't work. The Bible says 6 days you will toil. It's a bi- it's a biblical both prescription and description to borrow from Ben that you would work six days of your life yeah. and rest on the seventh day. We're going talk about the theological ramifications of that. That's a great conversation, but I'm not. I'm talking in a very practical sense. God commands and describes man as one who will work six out of seven days. By the sweat days, of your brow. By the sweat of your brow. And we say you shouldn't. I see all these women in America today who are miserably unhappy. And they're miserably unhappy, Christian women, because they believe that it's wrong for a woman to work outside the house. They believe they're supposed to be Homemakers. And listen, if you've got young children at home, I think it's very beautiful for you not to work and to raise those young children. That is a kind of toil. That is a kind of of labor. But a lot of these women in America, they have one kid or two kids. They leave the workforce. They raise them until they're six. Then they send them to public school. And then they call themselves stay at home housewives or stay at home homemakers. But the problem is, we've replaced that job. The 20th century replaced the job of the homemaker we have washing create, we have washing machines we have dishwashers we have vacuums all the things that caused a homemaker to toil were replaced and this and women in that position became less and less happy and they believe that the bible tells them many of these christian women that they're supposed to stay home and watch daytime tv instead of having a job and that isn't I mean, true that is
1: toil. <laughs> that, that is true no, you know, you know, but
2: but, but yeah. you're not supposed to stay home and watch daytime tv that is a miserable life and it makes you miserable I, I you're supposed to stay home and toil raising kids yes homeschooling kids of course i'm not saying that everybody has to have a job outside the house but you have to have a job you have to have a thing that this, you do with your hands this is real, that creates
4: this, value listen i i have to say in my my new book which comes out in april uh, the truth and beauty i read an entire chapter about Wait, this. what's the title the truth and beauty
1: it's called I, I, Another Good I, Thing. Can I please write your titles? <laughs> For the love of
4: God, Drew. Can yeah. you please? Yeah. <laughs> like, so, this is like the well, third straight title to, where I'm. Uh, I think that's a great title. Thank you very much. But but, the, but you're absolutely right about this. That every when you look at the what is it, the Proverbs thirty one woman that they talk yeah. about, she does everything. She's yeah. making clothes. She's she buying toils. property. She yeah, toils. Yeah. But all that's of those things, all of those things were taken You've seen out that every the, Friday night in the Jewish community. They were just no. They were destroyed by the industrial revolution. They absolutely were. Right. Children were taken out of home. All these things that made a woman's work less valuable. The, the, to me, the great prospect is because I think the. The toil of making a home for people is a huge humanizing task. I think homemakers <laughs> are the most important p- people in America. I think that they, that's the central job that all other jobs, as C.S. Lewis said, are built to support. And what I what I think the answer to this is is that there will be new uh, there are new versions of of work that can be done in the home. I don't think women should leave the home. I think homemaking yep. is the humanizing uh, job of women that they that we discount so much, so but, let me I think, record, but I just say for the record in media
1: matters that women should definitely do whatever they want with their work. With their work. No, they need to, but we're not all saying all that for media matters.
4: I know. I mean, I know. Yeah, screw media matters. But I mean, yeah. of course, everybody has, has his or her own choice about that, what they're going to do. I'm simply saying that this should be a dignified, celebrated yes. choice. Should, should that's we, distinguish, all we
3: should distinguish between, and this is where a lot of the confusion comes in, distinguish, but like a job and work are two, not necessarily the same thing. You can yes, work at, right. you can yeah, work at your yeah. job, but there's a lot of work to be done at home. This is recently there was some left wingers that were tweeting about how, you know, they don't respect stay-at-home moms because there's no uh, they want people who have ambition, you know. And, and it it takes a lot of ambition to work at home oh. and to build a home. Yeah. Now you can be an unambitious parent and your kids are going to be miserable and your spouse is going to be miserable. It's going to be a
0: terrible home. But there's a difference between ambitious parenting mm-hmm. and And by, and an by the way, you know, uh, forcing women out of the home is an actual structured strategy of the left. Yeah. There's a, a great story that I recount in my upcoming book, Speechless. <laughs> Chimbala, <laughs> it's available June 22nd, now for pre-order. Uh, the title is better than yours. <laughs> oh, yes. This is like the first compliment. <laughs> but, 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 I, I know, but the bar was so low. <laughs> <laughs> so there was this great moment between Simone de Beauvoir very famous yes, feminist very theorist. Famous she was the jilted common law wife of Jean-Paul Sartre, the fl- notorious philanderer, and Betty Friedan, who was the American feminist. And Betty Friedan said, women, if, if they want to go out and work at the widget factory, they should be allowed to do it. And Simone de Beauvoir said, no, you're getting it wrong. Women must leave the home. They should not be given the choice to stay at home and raise the family. Because if they are given that choice, they will take it right too many of them will take it I, and that will not live I
2: appre- hey, hey, hang on I appreciate what you guys are saying but I'm saying something else I'm saying that women should not stay home and not work I'm, saying that, also, I'm yes. saying that I'm saying that people I'm oh, saying that men yeah. should not retire at age 30 yes uh, I'm saying that we should totally not promise agree. people lives of leisure yes I'm saying that we shouldn't burden Christian women with the idea that being home alone with nothing to do, makes you virtuous. 100, people 100, are. I'm yeah. saying that God expects everyone, male and female, to work. Yeah. I'm saying that 65, you shouldn't be promised not to have to do anything anymore except sit on the boat because you earned it. You didn't earn it. You earned it back when people died at 66. Yeah. People now die at 95, <laughs> and you should work. Yeah. You should work. There is Because it's better for you. It is better for you, and it is better for society. It all goes back to this idea that this we are not group. offering anyone <clears throat> any piece of dignity. We're not offering anyone any path to creating, uh, uh, to to creating with their
1: hands, we're not offering yep. them any pet. Pa- the, the, well, that's the, because we have changed the definition, the definition of dignity, though, because it used to be sure. that dignity. Dignity was earned, right? It wasn't something right. that you were just handed. Dignity wasn't there, there. Was no idea that you had the sort of right to dignity, right? What you had was was the we right to go out and. Anyway. and yeah. uh, no, of course it's silly because you, that's that's literally a right to somebody else's sentiment. Dignity is something <laughs> somebody else gives you, right? Right. Uh, the, the the idea changed. It was that dignity was something that is to be found in your own sense of authenticity, right? Because you're authentic, therefore you deserve dignity. And that's not correct. It's because of what you do in your life. It's because of the actions that you take in the world and in relationship with your society that yep. you are provided with dignity. Now, that doesn't mean that people can treat you like garbage, but it's, it's an abuse of the word dignity to treat the word dignity the way that we have. The, the word yep. dignity never meant treat somebody decently. Decently is not the same as dignity, yeah. right? Dignity has an element of honor to it. It, it, mm. Everybody should be treated decently, of course. I'm, but saying, there's, there's seen that I'm and... saying
2: that if you expect nothing from anyone, yeah. they will be miserable. Do you
0: remember what Nancy Pelosi said when she was selling Obamacare? She said, this is a wonderful, yeah. it's an entrepreneurial bill. Because yes. now you don't have to work. It frees you from labor. You, you like, can be a poet. You can be a musician. Yeah. And you know the thing about poets is? There aren't that many of them. <laughs> and, and most of them are not very good. Well, I also noticed, the good I ones also noticed hard, that, that of hard. All, the,
1: right. all the vast numbers, millions of Americans on welfare programs and food stamps and disability, I noticed how many just unbelievable poets, and painters, <laughs> and string quartet members there are in this... Like, that's how people spend their time. Yeah. That's not a rip on, on people's skill sets, by the way. That's just a recognition that when you pay people a lot to work, they don't spend the time doing wonderfully productive yeah. things, yeah. okay? Like, Shakespeare spent you know, a pandemic writing Lear, supposedly, yeah. <laughs> yeah. okay, but that's because Shakespeare was Shakespeare. It wasn't like if they paid him not to write Lear, if, if they'd incentivize Shakespeare, they're right. like, you know what, dude, same stipend, don't write Lear. It's another he probably great... doesn't write Lear because <laughs> right. that's the way things work. It's
2: another great Bill Whittle observation that this idea that if we, uh, that if we, if the, if the people had the means of production, they'd only have to work two hours a day and they could devote the rest of their time to, you know, to learning work, art like and learning them. music and and Bill says, you know, the Internet disproves that because we now, in our pocket, carry around yeah. all human knowledge and wisdom available at our fingertips for free. At any moment, you could be learning a language, you could be reading Lear, and instead we look at pornography and we play Candy Crush. Yeah. That's all we do all day long. <laughs> is there, isn't
3: there? I mean, there's potentially a—I agree with what everyone is saying, but also— I maybe have a problem with the idea that you could just go outside of the house and get a job somewhere and you're going to find dignity in that because the way that the job market is set up and the way that a lot of companies operate, you know, it's it, 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 it can be a very dehumanizing experience. Oh, for so, sure. yeah.
1: Now, it's, it's, it's does it make it better to sit at home and do nothing? No, but the, the problem is that... Well, I mean, charity work was always the thing that many people did. They get involved in their religious community, right? Yeah. As communities right. die, that takes away a lot of work that people typically did yeah. outside the home. Like, yeah. like, when people would retire, this was... You know, for most Americans, I would say, when most people retire at age 65, if they were church-involved, it would be like they would go and get involved in their church. They got They'd more involved, involved in church. Their, exactly. Yeah, they spent know, that
4: extra time going and doing charity work. I mean, I, I lived for many years in the Montecito, one of the richest communities in the world. and Living in a very wealthy community is, is really interesting because people do what they want to do, right? They have, they have free choice, and so you see what people want to do. The women stayed home. But they also manufactured the community. They yep. went to the schools. They made sure the schools ran on time. They ran the charities. They did all, you know, they called them Montecito Moms. Talk about dignity. When Montecito Moms walk down the street, everybody stood still because they everybody respected them because right. they ran the community they gave us the community in which we worked and for which we worked and i think that th- those are things of course you don't have to get a paycheck for those for the well, for them to be work but does, they also speak to in a weird
1: us. way this gets us back to biden because what biden is creating is a culture of expectation
4: Yes, right. yeah.
1: It's, yeah. It's, a, it's a culture where and Republicans are accepting the premise.
2: They always yeah. accept. premise. Yeah, of course. Yep. They're
1: saying they're saying you're right. You do deserve all these things. We yeah. just want to give them to you in a more effective way. Yeah. effectiveness is never a good argument. <laughs> it's not, efficiency <laughs> and effectiveness are not good arguments. That's right. A good argument here would be there should be no culture of expectation. Nothing. We you you do not deserve to expect anything from us. And society can expect that you are going to be a productive citizen in order for you to actually earn things like the the. the the culture that we've created, this culture of expectation is what's created Occupy Wall Street. It's what's created BLM in the streets. It's what's created so many of, of the things that, that are destroying the country right now. Is this this expectation that you, like, I, I've stopped using the term soft bigotry of low expectations. I now use the term bigotry of no expectations because that's where <laughs> we are right now. I mean, when, when, when we are now living in a society where every single time there is a police shooting, we full-on expect yep. that there will be riots. We full-on expect it. That is not a culture that expects... Any sort of good behavior—that's it. That's a culture that expects bad behavior but, you know, and treats you it made, as
4: virtuous. You made a point many years ago that that somebody who actually liked you did a uh, a satire of it that was very funny, where you where you said that. That to say that healthcare is a right is to say that you have the right to other people's labor, which is just not true. And, and you were right. You were absolutely right. The joke they made about you was a friendly joke, but it was very funny of you saying, you know, you, yeah. you have no right to other people's labor. But you don't have a right to other people's labor. You have a right to be left alone. You have a right to say what you want to say. You have a right to think what you want to think, and you have a right to make your own choices. But you don't have a right to other people's labor, including health, the labor of healthcare workers.
2: No one owes you anything. Anything.
4: Yeah. No one owes you anything. You owe me a couple of bucks. Huh? That's... <laughs> I got a cigar bill. For you.
2: <laughs> no one owes you anything. This is the fundamental problem. I mean, the fundamental problem, obviously, is that we reject God. Well, yes. But in a very, <laughs> but in a very practical sense, the fundamental problem with with our society today is that everyone believes that they're owed something by someone. Else. Well, what you're Wait, describing
1: so it's, it's, is an emanation of your yeah, first well, yeah, place. Yeah, right. But you know, and, and it's true in every area of life. If you want to talk about yes. why marriages are dying, it's because you believe that you have a right to expect things from your spouse and, and yep. expectations kill marriages. A, they absolutely a, do.
3: In a family though, I would say that's the one place where you are owed something. Your children are owed. Yeah. That's and this, exactly. and this, is, this is actually, this actually should be the, the, the pro-life message, in fact, that you as a parent, you you have a responsibility to your child. You owe them something. You you
1: brought them into this world, and uh, you yeah, have to take care of them. No, children are them. the only people who have a right to expect something. Right, exactly. That's, yeah. that's, 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 the, only, that's the only thing.
4: Well, I, mean, I, I, I want to take issue with this a little bit. I mean, I think that, that individuals, especially in... in uh, relationships like marriage, they do ha- have a right to expectations of.
2: Yeah, I'm. you've entered a covenant. Yeah,
4: that's right. You've entered. You've, made an, you've agreement. Entered an agreement. And, and so fidelity. Yeah. 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 Integrity. Yeah. And, and so I, I, I think yeah. that, that's, but the, that's, the that di- <laughs> that's the very, that's the very different we're ta- difference we're talking about. Individuals, individuals owe each other things. You know, individuals entered agreements. The, the society owes you nothing. Right. The, the world owes you nothing. That's a Although I will say thing. that on, uh, that,
1: when it comes to marriage, I think one of the big things that does plague marriage is people having expectations without having expectations of themselves. Like the, yeah. the, the, the idea of a covenant in marriage is the idea that now the trade is over and not ongoing. Yeah, right. right? Like, like, oh, well, we signed a contract, so I guess that's the end of the deal. No, 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 no. The, the earnings continue, right? <laughs> you, you have to work in order to receive from your partner. And if you and if you actually want to have a happy marriage and you're sitting there and you're like, yeah, but under the contract, it says you owe me X, Y and Z. That's going to be a miserable. Well, break. it's like in a job, you know, you say, OK, I've
0: signed my employment contract. Great. Now I'm getting my paycheck. Right. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> that's what, what, right. One of the
3: uh, one of the most popular stupid memes and slogans you see out there is uh, something like if you don't if you don't uh, if you can't handle me at my worst, you don't deserve me at my best. You know, that's yeah. that's, I think, attributed to Marilyn Monroe incorrectly. But. You know, that's and that's the attitude people bring into romantic relationships: is that uh, you have you have to sort of deserve me to, yeah.
1: you, you have to you know deal with that bull crap yeah. in order to right. in order to get me yeah. in my best. And It's like, well, or you could just not do that,
0: yeah. <laughs> or, or just be a good person right. and also be forgiving of my fault.
1: I always say, <laughs> I if you want to be my lover, you got to get
2: my friends. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, I've so never actually not understood not not that. Not, that's the words? What does that, what does that mean? Not. I'm done, uh, and we're done. Thank you guys for hanging out with us. We'll see you the next time we do one of these things. Become a member over at dailywire.com slash subscribe. Check out the guys. Be able to ask questions the next time we do a backstage. We're really appreciative to everyone who's done that tonight, and we'll see you next time. Daily Wire Backstage is produced by Mathis Glover. Executive producer is me, Jeremy Boring. Our technical director is Austin Stevens. Our production manager is Pavel Wadowski. Studio and equipment management is by Patrick Kennedy. And broadcast engineering is by Mark Herman. Editing is by Jim Nickel. Audio is mixed by Mike Koromina. And our audio assistant is Israel McFarland. Playback is operated by McKenna Waters. Hair and makeup by Nika Geneva. Daily Wire Backstage is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2021.
1: We'll get to more on this in just one second. First,